Hello, my friends. This is April 8, and I welcome you to my Songs and Stories podcast. Today's story is called The Fairy Queen and the Three Brothers, Part 2. It's Episode 13. Now, I like to start out all of my stories with a special little song that goes like this. Oh, ye time-bound travelers, lay down your cares and rest your bones, and I'll tell you a fairy tale that I have come to And now it's time for our story. Episode 13, The Fairy Queen and the Three Brothers, Part 2. Now, this is a continuation of a story that started at episode 11, Under the Great Willow Tree, and then went on to episode 12, The Fairy Queen and the Three Brothers, Part 1. Well, you could go listen to those two stories first, Or you could just go ahead and listen to this one and then go back and see what you missed. But either way, the question is, where did we leave off? Well, do you remember that Liliana and her little brother Josh were listening to a story that was being told in an enchanted circle of fairies under a great willow tree? (sighs) Can you imagine? And the bard of fairyland was telling the tale. Now, what was the tale? Well, if you will recall, it was about three brothers. And in the last story, the youngest of the three brothers, uh, Quell, tried to trick the fairy queen into falling into a mud puddle so that she wouldn't sparkle anymore. But all that really happened is that instead of falling in, the fairy queen actually helped Quell up out of the mud puddle and she seemed to sparkle more than ever. And you know, Quell decided maybe, just maybe, that fairy queen wasn't so bad after all. Well, now that Quell had lost his part of the bet that he had with his two brothers to try to bring down the fairy queen, he was living happily in the barn with the pigs and the goats and the sheep and the chickens. For the winner of the bet got the house, and the ones that lost got to go live in the barn. But if you'll recall, Quell didn't mind so much. For instead of being in the house with his two brothers, arguing and fighting, wrestling and biting, bickering and sniping, he was enjoying the gentle company and the soft quiet of life in the barn. The bard drew in his breath, and he reminded his audience, Now it was the middle brother, Mel's turn, to try to bring down the fairy queen. Now, do you remember, dear ones, what Mel's big idea of how to make the citizens of the kingdom no longer love their fairy queen? Well, Mel had said to his brothers, That fairy queen, she thinks she is so great. I'd love to see her hold court in her palace without that fancy scepter she's always waving around. Ha! Now you, my dear listener, you might be asking yourself, what in the world is a scepter? Well, let's think. 
Have you ever seen um, a king or a queen in real life or maybe in a picture or a drawing and they're standing there all regal and fancy and they're in a crown and they're holding a rod in their hand? It wouldn't be a sword or a knife or anything like that. No, a scepter is something that royal people hold in their hands that is covered in beautiful, special things like jewels or gold. It's almost like a magic wand. And Mel wondered if that scepter that the fairy queen had actually was a magic wand. For, according to him, the fairy queen seemed to be quite magical. You see, ever since Mel and his brothers had made their terrible bet, Mel had been spying on the fairy queen. And he had noticed that she seemed to work all kinds of magic every single day on the citizens of her kingdom. For whenever they saw her, they smiled. And when she talked with them, they laughed. And when she listened to their concerns, they seemed to look like they felt like she understood them. Why, in fact, she seemed to understand all sorts of people, and Mel certainly did not, so she must have some sort of magical powers, right? Well, Mel was pretty sure that the magic was coming from her scepter, because it looked like a magic wand, and he figured that she must have cast a magical spell upon the whole kingdom, and that that was why everyone loved her. Hmm. But how to steal away that scepter? Hmm. Mel set himself on a stump out in front of his house, and he tried to come up with a plan. I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know, said Mel. How, 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 said Mel. Mel remembered that the queen usually had her scepter with her at special events. Hmm. Special events, special events, special events. I wonder when the next special event is, thought Mel. Hmm. Well, just then, Mel's little brother Quell came wandering by, whistling a happy tune, dressed in his nicest clothes and his cleanest pants. And from what Mel could see, Quell had even shined his shoes. He looked rather dashing, although there were little bits of straw sticking out of his hair from his nights sleeping in the barn. Just where do you think you're going, Mr. Fancy Pants? asked Mel. To the Equinox Festival, of course, mumbled Quell, feeling embarrassed. He was hoping he'd get past his brothers without them seeing him. Ah, the Equinox Festival, said Mel. Of course. Uh, Of course what, said Quell. Of course, that's where I can steal the Fairy Queen's scepter, said Mel. Oh, said Quell. He didn't want Mel to do that. But what could Quell do? His older brothers never listened to him. Quell shuffled away as fast as he could go. He didn't want any part of whatever Mel had in mind. He had been so excited about the Equinox Festival, but now he was just worried. What terrible thing might Mel do to try to bring down the Fairy Queen? Oh, 
But Mel, why, he was excited. He grabbed a long rope and an old stinky rag from the barn and set off toward the palace with a plan. When Mel reached the palace, he looked around for his little brother Quell, but he didn't see him. Everywhere he looked, there were folks celebrating the Equinox Festival and pouring into the ballroom for the Equinox Ball. Quell must have already gone inside to the ballroom. For, ah, what a scene. Mel realized that almost everyone in the whole kingdom must be in attendance. And just in that moment, the whole palace stood in glory, awash with pinks and purples, streaks of light shining from the setting sun. And every which way that Mel looked, there were fairies from the woodland wild, dressed in their finest and sparkling in the twilight. And was that Sir Gopher in a checkered waistcoat? Was that Sly Fox in red suspenders? Everywhere he looked, there were gnome families and dwarves, elves and mice and moles, all pouring in through the palace gates. And as Mel looked up to see the last of the sunset's pink streaks fade to lavender, he thought he saw a Merlin falcon perched way up high on the palace tower. It almost seemed as though she was looking right at him. Mel gulped, and he ducked into a doorway to get out of her view. In through that door, Mel went, and he found himself in a busy hallway. He startled two fairies who were carrying heavy platters of food toward the ballroom. It smelled so good. And just behind them was the smallest mouse that Mel had ever seen. Whoa, said the mouse, who seemed to have a mouth full of peas. I was just heading out the door said the mouse, slipping out the back door without a sound. Mel got the feeling he wasn't the only one who was sneaking around the palace this evening. Now music was tinkling in the air, violins and oboes singing and laughing, and Mel made his way along the crowded corridors. Everyone was pushing forward to see into the ballroom. Oh, ah, look, it's a chocolate fountain. When Mel got to the doorway and looked in, he too gasped, wow. For what an astonishing sight. The ballroom was filled with silver tables and ringed with golden balconies strung with glittering curtains. The endless buffet was laden with the most delicious, delectable treats. And the ballroom itself, why, it seemed almost as though it opened up to the sky above. The room was lit by gleaming chandeliers, glittering with crystals. It was almost impossible to believe that a room could be so beautiful. So beautiful, in fact that for a few moments, Mel was so full of delight and joy that he almost forgot why he'd come to the Equinox Ball in the first place. Mm -hmm. But then there it was, for there was the queen waving to everyone with her golden scepter, welcoming her beloved people into her party. Mel wondered if his sneaky plan to steal the queen's scepter would actually even work and he checked to make sure that he still had his rope in his bag with that stinky old rag. He did. 
Now he just needed to wait until the timing was just right. And of course, while he was waiting to steal the queen's scepter, he munched on the tasty snacks from the buffet table. And when everyone had talked and laughed and eaten their fill from the feast, Mel saw that it was time to move forward with his plan. Mel excused himself from a small group of trolls who had generously invited him to sit at their table when they'd seen him lurking about in the shadows. Mel had noticed that these trolls had surprisingly good table manners, by the way. They had carefully placed their napkins in their laps before eating. They had said please and thank you, and they passed the basket of bread around the table and all sorts of nice things like that. So now it was time to enact his plan. Mel followed the palace's winding staircase up to a balcony where the curtains hung down right behind the fairy queen's table. And while a pixie with a fancy bow tie was giving his heartfelt toast of gratitude to the palace gardeners for the lovely banquet everyone had just enjoyed, Mel took his opportunity to throw his rope over the side of the balcony and slide down behind the curtain that was right behind the queen's table. He hoped that no one had noticed him. Next, the fairy queen stood up to announce a dancing contest. Mel was elated, but not because he would like to dance, but because he knew no one would notice anything he was doing. For as the queen stepped out into the spotlight to dance with her partner, a dapperly dressed gnome who was surprisingly light on his feet, the fairy queen left her scepter at her place at the table. Well, it was almost nothing then for Mel to sneak an arm out from behind the curtain and snatch the scepter out of the queen's seat. He wrapped that beautiful scepter up in that old stinky rag he'd brought along with him and ta-da! It was just a matter of sneaking out of the ballroom and he'd have the queen's magic and win his bet with his brothers. Well, Mel got so excited about how well his trick was working that he wasn't paying very much attention to where he was going as he made his way behind the curtains that ran all around the edge of the ballroom on his way toward the door. He didn't even notice a shiny shoe that was sticking under the curtain until he tripped over it. Oh, but what happened next? Oh, My goodness. Ah! Mel hollered as he tripped right over that shiny shoe and came sprawling, flopping, flying, rolling right out into the middle of the ballroom floor and right into the bright spotlight that the queen and her partner had been dancing in. Oh my, said the fairy queen, moving nimbly out of the way. The scepter itself flew out of the old stinky rag and whirled up, up, up into the air and came down, bonk, right on top of Mel's head. And then it bounced up, 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 and when it dropped, it made a loud clonk as it hit the marble dance floor. 
Everyone in the ballroom, that's everyone from the whole kingdom, gasped in horror. (gasps) And then the whole ballroom went silent as everyone tried to take in what had just happened. And there, in the middle of the marble dance floor, lay Mel. What a sad sight was he. For the old stinky rag he had wrapped the scepter in had landed right on top of his head. And he just lay there, hoping against hope that he might disappear. But no. Click, 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 click. Mel heard the sound of fancy fairy shoes clicking up to him. He wanted with all of his heart to melt into the dance floor. It was the fairy queen herself who pulled the old stinky rag from Mel's face. She looked at him with concerned but very stern eyes. And then, to Mel's horror, the fairy queen reached out her hand, just as she had done to Quell in the mud puddle, and with surprising strength, she helped Mel up. Well, he could barely look at her. He was so ashamed. Mel felt so embarrassed, so foolish, so sad, that to make matters even worse, he turned bright red from the tip of his toe to the top of his head. (sighs) But then, uh, worst of all, the whole ballroom started to laugh. First, it was a low chuckle from the trolls who recognized him from dinner and remembered that Mel had not shown good manners. He had neither properly introduced himself nor put his napkin in his lap at the dining table. (laughs) chuckled the trolls. And then all the fairies began to giggle too. (laughs) For troll chuckling is spectacularly funny and combined with the foolish, blushing young man who had clearly tried to steal their queen's scepter in the middle of her own party. They just couldn't help themselves. Well, once the trolls and the fairies were laughing, how could the gnomes and the pixies and the animals and the birds resist? And so everyone, oh, everyone was laughing at Mel. Everyone, that is, except for the fairy queen herself. Young man, she said, addressing Mel with her regal manner still intact, pray tell me. Why do you have my scepter? Mel just said, Um, I, I'm so sorry, your, your majesty. Uh, uh, uh. You what, dear? I thought your scepter was magical and ah, ah, ah. Everyone in the ballroom went silent so that they might hear what the queen was saying to this blushing lad. They thought he was in for a good scolding and they didn't want to miss it. But instead, the queen was smiling. You thought my scepter was magical? Oh my goodness, that is 
funny. <gasps> no, dear boy, it is not. My scepter is quite old, and it certainly is a thing of beauty, forged by dwarves deep in their cavernous workshop under the hawthorn grove and tempered in the fires of Adeline. But no, no indeed. It was made of magic, but it cannot perform any magic whatsoever. Oh, said Mel. For what is magic, really? asked the fairy queen. Look around you, lad. There is magic everywhere. When a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, is that not magical? When the joyful songs of birds awaken you each morning, is that not magical? Isn't there magic in the smile of a friend or the taste of hot chocolate on your tongue? The smell of lilacs in the spring or baking bread in the oven. Oh, isn't your favorite song magical? It cheers you up and it makes you sing and dance. That's magic, boy. Why, there is more magic in this world of ours than my scepter could ever wield. Don't you think? And now the fairy queen was on a roll as the whole ballroom listened carefully. To quote a wise man, said the fairy queen, there are only two ways to live your life. One as though nothing is magical and the other as though everything is. Oh, said everyone in the ballroom. Oh, said Mel. Oh, my goodness, said the fairy queen. Let us strike up the band, if you will, maestro. It seems to me it's time for dancing. And with that, the fairy queen smiled at Mel and turned to face her dance partner again, as though nothing had ever happened. And from behind him, Mel heard a familiar voice. Hello, brother. It was Quill. And for the first time in a long time, Mel was so glad to see him, he actually threw his arms around Quell and gave him a hug. And then they decided it would be fun to dance to the beautiful music that filled the ballroom, and so dancing they did. Later, they ate the delicious pumpkin pie from pumpkins harvest from the palace garden that was offered up for dessert. Mel even introduced Quell to the trolls he'd dined with, who all patted him on the back and apologized for laughing at him. Much, much later that night, when the brothers finally made their way home, Mel took his pillow from his bed in the house and brought it out to the barn. And there he and Quell had a lovely night's sleep with the pigs and the goats and the sheep and the chickens. And when they woke up in the morning, it was to the joyful song of birds singing. And there the bard of fairyland stopped his story and pointed his finger up into the air and looked at the audience before him. But don't forget, my friends, he said. Now that Quell and Mel have failed to bring down the fairy queen, it was the oldest brother, Pell's turn. Everyone in the enchanted circle groaned. Oh, no. And also, said the bard of fairyland, who do you think it was that tripped Mel when he was behind the curtain? Hmm. 
Down under the great willow tree, Liliana looked at her brother Josh. Oh, I think I know who it was. Really? said Josh. Who? Snip, snap, snout. For today, my tale is all told out. Come back next week and I'll tell you some more of the story of the Fairy Queen and the Three Brothers. Thank you for listening to the April 8th Songs and Stories podcast. Find more April 8th stories, illustrations, crafts, videos, recipes, and ideas for cultivating joyful, thoughtful children over at april8.com. And that's E-I-G-H-T. Also, I posted a pretty goofy Halloween video that me and my daughter Mia made the other day, and you might want to see it. And there's also a free song download of one of my favorites over on my blog. You can also follow me and my dog Roxy on Instagram and Twitter at April 8 Music. And of course, there's always Facebook, facebook.com slash April 8. And again, that's E-I-G-H-T. If you like these stories, please share them with your friends and your family on Facebook and Twitter. Until we meet again, remember, I love you and you are wonderful, just as you are.